Hi everyone, Luke here from The Broken Meeple. Just a quick note about my ongoing Patreon campaign. I hate to ask for money, but if any of you out there wish to support this channel in that way, then please visit the page at www.patreon.com slash thebrokenmeeple. It's listeners and viewers like you that make this channel what it is today, and even as little as $1 a month goes a long way to going towards the hosting fees and to provide new equipment that allows me to improve the quality of this podcast and the YouTube channel. I want to let you guys in on future top 10 lists as well as let you submit questions and stories for future inclusion on videos and podcasts. So check out the page if you like, but if not, I hope you enjoy the show. So take care. See you soon. This is the Dice Tower Network, adding games to your wish list since 2005. Home of smart people, insightful board gaming commentary, and Luke Hector. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com The Broken Meeple Season 2 Episode 18 Sentinels With the top 100 over, it's time to get back to business. Although people have asked whether I could talk more about my favourite game, my number one. So this episode is dedicated to that game. I will give top 10 lists, I will give explanations of the rules, I'll give explanations for why I like it so much and what I'm looking forward to from this franchise. This episode is the Sentinel Special. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever it is you're from. Yes, sorry it has been a long time since I've been doing a podcast episode. I did put up a recent uh, Geek Chat episode for The Kingsman 2, The Secrets, um, The Golden Circle, sorry. And, you know, I will still keep doing those. They're going to be called Geek Chat, not P-Logs anymore. I think Geek Chat just rolls off the tongue a bit better. But these will still continue and they'll be based on TV or movie or various other, like, geeky subjects I want to talk about. But of course, this is a board game podcast at the end of the day. And I know it's been a long time since I put out a proper episode. August was busy like you wouldn't believe. I mean, work was basically extended hours. Uh, I tried to go on holiday to Amsterdam and that went all uh, pear-shaped, as you probably know from a previous episode. And I've also been just trying to catch up with a backlog of review videos. And finally, I've managed to get to a stage where it's like, top 100 is done. And that took up a lot of time. And the review backlog is done, you know, I've got a lot of stuff to review at the moment, but at least I can carry on at my own pace now. And of course, I need to get back with the podcast in general. In the last couple of weeks, I've been out and about so often, like the ultimate yes man, that's just having this weekend where it's a me weekend, I can do what I like. Whew, it's a godsend, I haven't had one for a long time. But on with the plot. Basically, following the top 100, um, first of all, if you have not seen my top 100, please do. It is, I, I'd like to do my top 100. It's a cool series. But if you want to fast forward to the 10 through 1 and watch that first, because ultimate spoiler alert, um, this one is basically all about the game that is my number one. So if you don't want to know it, I suggest you go back to that video and check it out now. Right, they're gone. Great. This episode is dedicated to my number one game, which is Sentinels of the Multiverse. 
written by Christopher Bedell with artistry from Adam Bataro and edited by Paul Bender. Three designers who, as far as I'm aware, haven't done many other games. They've done the occasional thing, but nothing that's really taken off as much as Sentinels in the Multiverse did. But my god, since this game came out, it has been my favourite game of all time. It has constantly been at the top of my top 75, top 100, whatever list it were, whatever list I've done. It's constantly been there at the top. Now, why is that? It's a card game about superheroes. Why is this one so special? Well, you've already mentioned one word there. Superheroes. I love superheroes. Superheroes is my favourite theme that you can put onto a game. I love watching Marvel, I love watching DC, I like board games where they're about superheroes. Granted, not all of them are great, but there are some amazing ones like Marvel Legendary, for example. But this one captures that theme of being a superhero team the best. You know, it's not based on any Marvel or DC actual, you know, proper licensed stuff. These are their own universe, their own superheroes, and each one that you can play as your own deck feels unique. It just sings to me how much theme this co-op game has. And I know it's not for everybody, no game is, but this one just completely ticks all the boxes that I want in a superhero co-op game, to the point where I have collected every expansion, every promo, as far as I'm aware, every promo. Uh, I haven't dealt with fan expansions, you know, the ones you print from online. I'm not really into print and play stuff, so I've left those out. It's not like I haven't got enough content in front of me here as it is. But I've also kick-started the newest expansion that is due to come out hopefully next year, Oblivion. Which, oh my god, I am waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. I really want that expansion. This is basically the finale of the whole Sentinels in the Multiverse Universe. Which, Multiverse Universe, that's going to get uh, hard to roll off the tongue. But, it's not, I'm, not, I'm not sad about that. Because, let's face it, I've got three boxes on my shelf here to say, oh yeah, there's all my Sentinels collection. Oblivion is going to basically add a fourth box with the amount that I've got. Although, I have kickstarted the collector's box as well. So basically, on the top of my Kallax shelves, there's going to be this gigantic Sentinels box with every card in it. Oh my god, I cannot wait. This whole thing of having like almost like a Thanos-type enemy come down and you can fight him on this battleground field, like two separate battlegrounds, more villains, more heroes, more environments. I cannot wait. It's going to be so good. I mean, I spent, I overspent on it because I wanted it signed. I wanted all the stuff signed. I wanted the uh, canvas print to go on my wall. You know, I kind of overspent on it, but well, I love this game so much and it was a treat. It was kind of like my own little birthday treat to go mad on that Kickstarter. But of course, you got to wait for these things because, you know, they've had to make certain that the box is correct and it can hold all the cards and everything. And to be fair, I want them to get it right. So I'm going to be patient. I need this game. Anyway, but yeah, to explain a bit more about the rules. So I'm not going to go into like the ultimate rules. I'm just going to give you an outline of what the game's about if you've never heard of this game. It is a co-op. It's a card game. No board. It's all done from decks of cards. It's one where you work as a superhero team to take on an ultimate bad guy. Now, your base set box comes with, I think, four villains and eight heroes. And each of you will take a hero with his corresponding deck and character card. The character card has a special ability, but primarily it tells you their starting hit points and has some powers on the back if you get knocked out during the game. There is player elimination, but 
you know, if you're getting eliminated, chances are you're likely to lose, but you're also doing something each turn. You're contributing, so you're not completely out. The villains have their own deck as well, so basically you're going to have, you, let's say, three players here. Three heroes with three decks, a villain with their deck, and an environment that you will fight in which has its own deck. So this will be random things that come up to, you know, mess around with the villain, and you as well. Usually you, but, you know, you get some interesting environments that kind of go both ways. And the idea is, is that you'll have a hand of cards, and you will simply play a card, use a power, which is basically a bold text on one of the cards, like use a card ability, and then draw a card. That is your turn. Next player does that, and all the heroes do this. And then for the villain turn, you flip the top card of their deck, Resolve the effects. It could be one of their minions. It could be a nasty attack It could be some special ongoing power that really hinders you or buff buffs them up And then after the villains done their round and attacked you and whatever you have the environment who has its own deck And you flip the top card of that one So it's all about you know drawing cards from your deck and playing them and then resolving cards off the top of the villain and environment decks sounds simple enough, but and this is a legitimate flaw of the game, there is a fair amount of admin where you've got different effects going off at the start of a round and at the end of a round and dependent on this. So you do need maybe one or two games just to get familiar with how the admin works and get used to it. But there are companion apps out there that make life a lot easier. Sentinel Sidekick is the one I use and I highly recommend it because it does seem to do the job quite nicely. But you'll carry on in this fashion until either the heroes are all knocked out, you know, incapacitated, or the villain is taken care of. And it just works. It's such a good... Because you can't have a lone ranger. You must work together. And you might have a character who's really good at buffing the allies. Great, do it. You might have one that is just straight up, launch fireballs and damage the opponent. Great, you're on the damage patrol. You fire fireballs at him. You'll have other ones that do support, some that heal, some that uh, you know, resist damage. So it's like, yeah, come on, I'll take the hits. I'm your tank, if you want to get into World of Warcraft-style MMO terms. Yeah, there's all these different roles. And, I mean, that's just the base set box. There's many expansions for this game. You know, a couple of uh, big box ones, some small box ones, and lots of promos that have been out as well. And, oh my god, the content I have here is ridiculous. I've got so many villains, so many heroes, and so many you know, environments that I can just pick loads of different combinations and see how they go. And then on top of that, they decided, oh, you know what we need? We need an expansion for, uh, you know, let's have mini villains. So now I can have a collection of mini villains to go up against, like a villain team. So it's like 5v5. I think, I think you can do it with less, but primarily I do it with 5v5. And so five heroes versus five mini villains, and you go out in a big all-out brawl. Oh my god, I've got so much here, and I love it. I've got all the cards in front of me, and they look lovely. And yes, yeah, some people like to rag on the artwork for not being the cleanest thing in the world, but it's a comic book. It's based on a comic book. It's meant to look like comic book art. So it fits the theme perfectly, and I think it looks good. I mean, it looks bright and colourful. It looks exactly what I would expect from just sort of going, Oh, I've got the new issue of Sentinels in the Multiverse. Open it up, and there's the type of artwork I see. It's classic superhero artistry and I'm fine with it. Like I say, it's bright and colourful. I haven't got a problem with it to be perfectly honest. Um, if you don't want the whole board game side of it though, you can also invest in the app. Um, it's on Android, Apple and Steam I believe and the app is perfect. You know, you don't have to collect all the cards, you can simply download the app, get some of the in-app purchases to get expansions and more characters. 
but it's a brilliant app. I have it on Steam, I have it on my phone and tablet, so if I can't get the cards out, I might just play that one instead. It's just as good fun, you get music to go with it and all the cool art as well. So, and it handles the admin for you. Like it tracks it all and gives you choices on what to do. So it's a very cool app. Doesn't replace the game, you know, mainly because I do like having these cards and having the other people there as well. But if I just want a solo game, then the app does a pretty good job of handling my needs. So the rules to the game are fairly straightforward. You just have to put up with a bit of admin over time. But if you want superhero themes like dripping off a game, this is as good as it gets. I love Marvel Legendary, but you gotta admit, when you throw deck building into the mix, it takes away a bit of the theme aspect. It's there, I mean Marvel Legendary has good theme, but you know, you're building a team of mishmash you know, superheroes and everybody can have cards from the same hero and it sometimes throws it off. This one though, you're your own deck, you're your own guy or girl. There's many different superheroes here. And if I'm playing Legacy, for example, I am Legacy. No one else is, no one else gets his cards. I am Legacy. And just being able to differentiate yourself like that is so good for something like a superhero game. So I get easy rules, I get great, you know, I get in-depth mechanics, and I get dripping theme for one of my favorite themes of all time. Can't knock it. This is why Sentinels of the Multiverse has always been a favourite with me, and even though it doesn't hit the table as often as I would like, because, you know, I've got to review new games and that, when I do get it to the table, I have an absolute blast. Every single time, without fail. You know, granted, I wouldn't play this with five players unless we were doing the uh, 5v5 team. Um, the player scaling is not great at that point, but you can play this with four, works great. Play it with three, it's fantastic. Play it with two, it still works pretty well. Or just play it solo and control three heroes. Works brilliantly as well. It's also not that expensive. Well, I say expensive on a relative term. You could pay the odds, you could pay a complete ton of cash for getting everything Sentinels related. Although the Kickstarter did a very good job at selling everything today. But if you just wanted the base set game for a bit of a laugh, I think you can pick it up now for like £25 or something, you know, like pretty cheap for what you get in that box. And unlike other card games where they seem to have misunderstood what the concept of dividers are and how to organise a card game, this one comes with proper colour artwork dividers for everything that you have bought in Sentinels of the Multiverse from beginning to end. Perfect. So when I look at my case, open the lid, I can see exactly what I've got and where it is. There's you know, great art all over the place, it just jumps out at you, and I don't have to think, oh God, where, where on earth did I put Iron Legacy? Where did I put Plague Rat? Where is he? You know, nope, easily find it. Perfectly organized. Why other games don't do this, I don't know. I mean, it took Smash Up ages to get us dividers with its uh, big geeky box, but there's so many deck builders that come out that just like to go, here you go, here's a piece of grey card, there's your divider. Talking to you, upper deck. But others have come out, I mean, uh, Zeon's End was another one, and I think that one had uh, fairly subpar dividers in that as well. But I mean, I quite liked Zeon's End, I thought it was a good game, but it wasn't going to match up the Sentinels in the Multiverse, it was more fiddly, I thought, with all those Breach Mage stuff, and it, the component quality was kind of lacking with the cards, and certainly, I don't know, it... It didn't quite jump out enough for me, but I still thought it was a good game and I would happily play it, just 
it's not going to replace Sentinels in the multiverse anytime soon. So I hope that's given you some idea as to why I like this game. It's not for everybody. Some of you don't like it. I know one person, um, Mark, who runs the Aircon uh, convention in the UK, he absolutely detests Sentinels in the multiverse. And he will make it clear that he detests Sentinels in the multiverse whenever I'm around. Which is fine, because then I turn around and tell him how much I detest Concordia, and basically we just get into that kind of friendly row. But, yeah, you know, doesn't bother me. If you like the game, fantastic. If you want to try it, come find me, bring a copy, and I will happily play it with you. If you don't like it, that's fine. We all like different games, and that's half of the fun of this hobby. If you absolutely detest it, okay, fine, that's, that's fine as well. Let's see above with the bad category. So moving on, viewers of my YouTube channel requested that I gave, similar to what Tom Vassell did in some of his uh, earlier videos, he was giving top 10s for like top 10 summoners, top 10 heroes in, in this game, top 10 factions in Smash Up, that kind of thing, and that was a cool idea. I haven't really had the time to do that in a lot of detail, maybe I'll do it on more podcast episodes because it's a bit easier and quicker to do them on there, but viewers requested that I did top 10 Sentinel lists. So obviously there hasn't been 10 expansions, but there's been plenty of heroes and plenty of villains. I'm not going to do environments, that seems a bit... I don't know, I don't really want to do a top 10 environments. But uh, I have, whilst at work, I must admit, <laughs> a lot of it, but I have done a top 10 Sentinel heroes, and I've done a top 10 Sentinel villains. I have my little uh, pocket book, Asmodee pocket book of uh, top 10 lists, and I have written down top 10 heroes and top 10 villains from the game. So I'm going to go through both of those lists now, and I'm not going to take as long as I normally do with the top 10 list, so I'm just going to give a brief reason as to why I like these ones as much as I do. And this was difficult, believe me. There's a lot of heroes and villains in this game, and I was like, oh, but I like them for that reason, they're cool as well. You know, so getting a short list was, you know, hard enough, well, sorry, an introductory list was easy. I just took all the heroes and villains. Cutting it down to a short list of about 15 was hard. Cutting it down to 10 was even harder. And then trying to rank them was just like, oh my God, I'm going insane. But certainly worth it. So without further ado, let's start with heroes. So let's make a start with my number 10, which is Fnatic. Fnatic is an angel on earth, a versatile hero who benefits from boosts to damage, usually by essentially damaging herself. She's very much the I will sacrifice myself in order to deal more damage or give more buffs. So you have to play your cards right with her hit points because if you're not careful enough, she'll end up dying on you. But she has a resurrection card or two and a really cool sword to bring out. I like that whole you know, concept of, you know, I must sacrifice myself so that you guys may live. It feels, it, you know, it, it fits my preferred way to play a co-op game, which is to play the support character. So I quite like the dealings I have with her. My number nine is Parse. Oh, is it Parse or Parse? I'm not entirely certain how you're supposed to pronounce it. But basically, she's an analytical mastermind. So she's basically the Hawkeye equivalent from Marvel. And she uses a bow to do damage, but her powers of observation are able to hinder the villains and support her team. So she does a myriad of things. Firstly, she has a bow. 
She doesn't do a lot of damage, but when she hits with a bow, she's able to buff the other heroes in a kind of support fashion. Again, I like support. But she also has the ability to get cards, uh, sorry, to get players to draw more cards out of their deck. Always quite handy. And she has the occasional ability to manipulate the villain deck as well. So to see what's coming up and possibly rearrange it so that the really nasty stuff doesn't come out. So I like the fact that she's got a bit of a toolbox of tricks. I like the concept of her, like an analytical mastermind with a bow. I don't know, that just seems uh, quite you know, a bit cooler than what Hawkeye is. And yeah, I, I enjoy using this character when people are like, oh, I'm going to need to draw a lot of cards this game or, you know, this villain deck's going to hurt us a bit. Fair enough, I'll play Parse and see how we get on with that. My number eight is the original hero from the base set, Legacy. Legacy, again, support type heroes. I get a kick out of it, but... This one is, you know, basically Superman and Captain America all rolled into one. Very easy to play, you know, doesn't require much in the way of tactics. You heal allies, you buff your allies, you occasionally, you know, twat the uh, villain on the nose. But he's got some cool, you know, ways to play it. You know, damage buffing's always handy, healing's great. You know, being able to say, right, the villain is, is not doing any damage, but he's just going to hit me once and you guys will be safe for the round. Again... Support characters, I love them, but it's easy to play. I can give anybody this hero and it'll work well. And I don't know, I, I guess I just like the whole cheesiness of the, uh, you know, the cape and the, the, big, <laughs> the big logo, you know, the Superman type look. And his backstory is pretty cool as well with regards to his daughter, but I won't get into details with that. You know, this whole universe has got quite an interesting backstory if you look around for it. Number seven is Tachyon. Now, there's a couple of reasons for this. Firstly, she's quite easy to play and uses a cool mechanic of doing all these little quick one-shot cards and getting their discard pile as big as possible. Because when she fills her discard pile with certain types of cards, basically all her abilities get more powerful and powerful. It's like she's speeding up and that is essentially what she is. She is the Sentinel equivalent of the Flash, who is probably my favorite DC hero I would say. I really enjoy the Flash TV series. I'm looking forward to seeing the Flash in the new Justice League movie. You know, I, I think I just like super speed as a power and the Flash is basically all super speed. Well, that's what Tachyon is. She's super speed, but Tachyon is also, you know, a bit more intelligent than that. She's a bit of a scientist type character. So, you know, she's got the brains as well as the speed. Always quite a cool one to play. And my number six is one of the hardest heroes to play, or at least one that I find hard to play. He's a complex master musician with a huge selection of instruments and a variety of song cards, and this is the Argent or Argent Adept. Now, why do I like this guy? Well, it's hard to get him to work right, because he's got all these different instruments and song effects that can go off, but trying to get them set up at the right time takes a bit of mastery. And you can search out certain instruments and songs at your deck, but of course you need to know what you need for what particular time. And I quite like that challenge. I find the idea of a superhero bard to be pretty amusing as well, but I like the challenge and the variety of what he can do. It's like, hmm, if I get this instrument and that song effect, I can do this and this on the turn, but maybe I should switch up to the drums later so I can do this and this later. You know, I like being able to chop and change at a moment's notice, and you'll see a bit more of that as we go through this list. My number five is Skyscraper. Skyscraper came in one of the more recent expansions, and it's basically the Ant-Man type, um, you know, female heroine, who uses her size manipulation and cards called Links to damage the enemy and debuff them. But why do I like her? 
Well, because she has three modes to her. She has like three character cards, depending on whether you're a giant, normal size, or small. Now, you have to set up her link cards in such a way so that they'll have decent effects. But I like the fact that I can sort of keep going, you know, big, small, middle, small, big, 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 small, middle, mid, 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 small, mid, big, you know, constantly change between all three of the sizes for whatever role she needs. You know, I need to lay down links. Fine, get in small mode. I need to draw some more cards and set things off. Right, get into normal mode. I want to just like completely demolish the enemy a bit and do some damage whilst potentially causing a bit of collateral damage while I'm at it. Then go into enormous size. It's a great utility character to play. And I think I just, I think because of the Ant-Man film, I also warmed up to her a bit more. You know, that was a really cool movie. So yeah, I've, I've been quite a fan of playing Skyscraper to her fullest. Number four is Captain Cosmic, a Green Lantern ripoff. He's an energy master who uses his constructs that he makes to buff his allies, heal allies, do damage, that kind of thing. This is one that you want to play if you want to have a lot of little minions running around. You know, and I've had great laughs with this character, either role-playing him or seeing other people role-play him, where they take the cheese level to 110%. You know, Captain Cosmic, away! You know, it really is such a cheesy name. But his character's really cool. He's got some great abilities, some great constructs. Granted, the admin gets a little bit annoying when you've got to track half a dozen constructs. But he can do all this cool stuff. Uh, the colours, the artwork on his cards is pretty cool with all the golden effects. Certainly a bit cooler than what the Green Lantern looks like. And yeah, I, I, again, I like the variety with him. You notice that a lot of these heroes have like a toolbox that they can use of stuff that do very different things. You know, there is one or two heroes that didn't make the list, which almost made the list, but, you know, their toolbox wasn't quite as, you know, wide-reaching as I'd hoped, or maybe I'm just not a fan of the superhero they're based on, I don't know, but, you know, not all of them made this list, but certainly this one, Captain Cosmic, oh yeah, I have great fun with him, but I also like seeing him in action when someone else controls him. Number three is Expatriate. Yes, Expatriate is basically the Punisher ripoff. No superpowers whatsoever. She's basically a Punisher gunslinger with a variety of guns and ammo. Pretty simple. You know, not every superhero has to have mystical powers or mutant abilities. She is just straight up a lady with a ton of guns and a lot of ammo to go in them. Different types of ammo. So again, toolbox utility. But... There's something very simplistic about her character in the sense of how innovative she is. You've got to be crafty with when you get the guns, what guns you need for different scenarios, and what ammo you put in them. But it's cool to be able to say, oh, what, oh well, we're up against these guys then, right? I'll just pack the machine gun right here. Yep. Da -da 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 -da. You know, oh, environment cards causing us some struggle. Hang on, i got a rocket launcher here. And it's just quite amusing having this, like, crate of weapons that you can just call on at a moment's notice. And... You know, even if you're not a fan of superheroes, most people will have watched an action film and love like, having big guns everywhere. Well, Expatriate's a good way to basically uh, tickle that itch, shall we say. Number two is quite a hard one to play, but oh, I love these guys. I told you I like variety, so I like to have a lot of things in front of me that I can do. Well, what's better than having one superhero? Why not have four? These are the Sentinels, literally called the Sentinels. They're a team of four low HP heroes who team together to make a multi-talented hero, essentially. You know, you, you still control effectively all four of them, but they've got like a quarter of the hit points of a typical hero. So you've got to make certain they stay alive. And that's fun, 
but also quite tricky because they die rather easily. But if you can keep all four of them out and get the cards out that combo with them, you can dish out some good damage and utility just from them sort of building off each other. And plus, I like the idea that I get to control like four or five heroes at once. I mean, that's great. I love that. You know, there's multi multiple versions of them as well with the promos and I can mix and match. They're all very different. You know, one's a healer, one's a damage dealer, one's a tank, you know. So I've almost got all the MMO roles in my own little mini team of four superheroes. It's great and tricky. You've got to watch their HP, but it's a challenge. I love it. Always get a kick out of these guys. You know, the, if I only have one nitpick is that the artwork on the back of a lot of the other heroes has got like some cool pose in that. For some reason, the Sentinels is just a red background with the Sentinels written on it. Couldn't they have done a bit more? I don't know. It's a nitpick, but love playing this hero. And I'm always a bit like, oh, you're taking them. Oh, you know, whenever they get chosen. And finally, my favorite Sentinel hero to play. Not necessarily the most powerful, but my favorite one to pick in a game is, I hope I pronounced this right, the Naturalist. Naturalist, yep, I believe so. This guy is effectively like a druid. He's a sort of beast boy, beast master, with three different forms. Rhino for survival and tanking, a gazelle for support and card draw and healing, and a crocodile for just straight out damage. But you can, with his original card, you can search out a form whenever you need it out of the deck or trash pile. So you're never, you're usually not at a stage where I can't do this card because I don't have the form. And a lot of the cards have the icon printed on them, meaning that you must be in that form in order to get the extra bonus. I love this guy because I have played games with this guy where, you know, I have seen, I've gone like, oh my God, this villain is really hitting us home, right? All right, I'm, uh, form of Rhino. Fuck. And then I turn into a tank and start playing those cards and start tanking for the team. And then when an opening appears, it's like four of crocodile. And then the weirdest crocodile ever. But you then go into damage mode and gazelle mode as well, which I must admit I don't use as often as the other two modes. But I love the fact that I can switch out between the two, the three of them and they all work well. Variety, support, a choice of paths to take, you know, depending on the scenario and the villain. This guy just works with me. Uh, he's not the most powerful hero ever. You know, there are some that can do more beardy combos. But I do like the fact that I can kind of pick what I need at a moment's notice with this guy. Get into that form and then start fulfilling a support role. Again, support roles, I just love them. I'd rather not be the person that just straight out damages somebody. You know, I'd rather be the person who supports their team in some other way than just simply damage per second, as it used to be called. So we've gone through the top 10 Sentinel heroes. So to wrap up this episode, let's go through the top 10 Sentinel villains. The villains that I like to face off against. You know, which ones give me the most fun in the scenario, which are the most challenging, or which ones have just got some weird gimmick that really gets me going. So starting off with number 10, we have Ambuscade, or Ambuscada, I'm not entirely certain it's pronounced it. I think it's Ambuscade. Now this guy is actually relatively easy to beat. So I don't like this guy for the fact that he provides like a massive challenge, but Ambuscade is basically a bounty hunter. So, you know, Ambuscade goes around and has all these cool tools, you know, like cloaking devices and grenades and all sorts of things. And basically his ultimate prey is superheroes. So you guys, 
I like that simplistic story. I like the idea of a bounty hunter with all the cool tech, but he's kind of the, the person I want to go to if I want a fairly easier game, but one that's like, oh yeah, you can tell what this villain is. He's got lots of cool gadgets, lots of cool weapons, and he's a bounty hunter. I don't need some complicated plot to explain. He's a great one to pull out when I'm teaching this game because Baron Blade is, he's not on my list, but he's okay. He's a quintessential villain, but he's so such a pushover unless you play him on advanced mode. Even then, he's not terribly hard. You know, that is kind of like, I'm kind of just letting you guys walk all over it. So Ambuscade allows me to sort of go, all right then, you want a little bit more of a challenge? Try this villain out. He shouldn't completely pulverize you unless you do something badly, but you're not going to just walk all over him on your first game. So I enjoy playing him now and again. My number nine is one of the hardest supervillains in this entire game, and that's probably the main reason she squeaks onto this list. But it's also the fact that I like the kind of gimmick that she has, that she's in control of lots of birds. But, oh, she can be frustrating as anything because constantly her birds are all over the place. And that is the Matriarch. The Matriarch is a bird controller. So I think Alfred Hitchcock's the bird's gone wild. And basically, she constantly explodes her villain deck. Constantly all these cards keep coming out, all these little birds and crows and all these things. And she hurts you and attacks you when you destroy the birds. But if you don't destroy the birds, they're going to have lots of negative effects on you and hurt you. So... You've kind of, you're kind of, uh, you know, screwed if you do and screwed if you don't. And the, she's very challenging. You must not forget her rule about what happens when you destroy a bird. Otherwise, she'll be a cakewalk. You know, that's the whole point of why she's powerful. But, whew, yeah, if I want to challenge, like, straight up, okay, I am going into, like, hard boss mode. There's one or two other villains further up the list that I will pick. But the Matriarch is still a solid challenge. And, like I say, it's quite amusing the fact that I'm dealing with, essentially, Albert Hitchcock's The Birds mode into a supervillain. Number eight is Akashbuta, I believe is the uh, way to pronounce it. This is effectively Mother Earth on a mission to destroy all life. Yeah, wow. Bad day for you then, wasn't it? But this guy has high health, like really high health. I think he has the most hit points ever. But she damages herself when you destroy her body parts. So it's almost like you're getting rid of her in bits because she's essentially one big giant tree effectively one big giant rock one big giant tree and i don't know there's something about she's kind of like a war of attrition when you play against her so you know you can't just outright kill her without any like repercussion whatsoever no 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 you're gonna have to play the long game you're gonna have to survive against relentless attacks you know, you're going to have to really lay down the smackdown for a long period of time in order to get through this. So the games can go a little bit longer with a cash booter, but I think the backstory is quite interesting. I like the idea that it is more of a war of attrition. So, you know, this is the straight up, my God, this is the raid boss that takes forever to kill. But just keep it up, guys, and we'll do quite well. Again, sometimes I bring a cash booter out for new players. You know, I a little bit more harder to kill than Ambuscade, but... Not terribly, but I quite enjoy this one as well. Number seven, one of the base set villains, possibly the hardest one in the set, and that is Grand Warlord Voss. Just feels basically like the Thanos equivalent, really. You know, until we get Oblivion, anyway. But he looks a bit like Thanos in the sense that he's like a big warlord, or like purple warlord. But, yeah, he's purple. But yeah, he's got that Thanos-type look, he's got the big gauntlet. And essentially, he's just an alien invader with a bucket ton of minions. 
So I suppose if you want to compare it to anything else, think a more butch version of Lord Freezer from Dragon Ball Z, I don't know. But it's that kind of mentality. I've got this massive army, I'm going to invade planets. There you go, army, do my hard work. And to be fair, that's kind of what this guy is. He doesn't really lay a finger on you until you start hacking down a ton of his minions, and then he gets all ticked off and starts going, fine, I'll do it myself. <laughs> and starts really hitting you around. But you've got to deal with a lot of minions, so if you want to have a fight where you go up against a ton of guys and you're laying the smackdown on all the minions and all the soldiers, this is a good one. And there's an extra lose condition that if too many of them come out, you just get overrun and lose. So there's always that nice little quirk to bear in mind. Number six is the Enid, as I believe they call them. This is a collection of multiple like Egyptian gods and goddesses. It's, I think, nine of them, and they're all in one team. So you're effectively beating up the entire team, which is like, ow. But they all sort of combo off each other, and this one requires good deck manipulation. So if I want to practice with that kind of uh, mechanic, then this is the villain I'll go for. Because... If they come out too fast, you're screwed. And if they resurrect too, like resurrect a ton of their guys, it's like, ow, that's painful. But if you've got characters who can manipulate the deck so that they stay buried after you've got rid of them, you'll have a much easier time with them. But it's good practice for using those type of characters, like the Visionary and Parser, you know, who can manipulate villain decks. So Yeni comes up with a lot of cool, interesting villains. You know, I like the idea of fighting Egyptian demigods, you know, we're essentially doing a X-Men Apocalypse, but doing it correctly. And yeah, I, I enjoy using these ones to get a bit of practice with deck manipulation. Number five is, I suppose, the Alien Ultron of the set. It's kind of weird what his uh, deal is with everything. But basically, he's called Deadline. A last of his species alien who has sworn to protect dying races by destroying races. It's kind of weird. <laughs> it's a bit like Ultron saying, I will protect humanity by wiping out humanity. But... He will destroy Earth to do so if he must. It's like, you're all going to kill yourselves, I'm going to save you from yourselves. It's kind of a weird twisted logic. But yeah, he is all about that environment deck. And Deadline allows for the game to go off in lots of different ways, depending on which environment you use. Because he's getting stuff out of the environment deck quicker. And if the environment gets completely trashed, you lose, because he's basically just blown up the entire planet. But depending which environment you use can really chop and change how well your fight goes against this guy. And with all the environments available, that's a lot of variety with just one supervillain. So I have yet to use every combination with him, obviously, because there's just far too much variety here. But I like being able to sort of go, hmm, what would happen if I fought him here? You know, and, and go with it. He's not the easiest villain, but he's also not the hardest either. So it's quite a decent challenge without being stupidly powerful. We're about to get on to one of those. My number four. I think this is the hardest hero, um, villain in the entire game. At least that is my personal feeling, anyway. Without being broken. Iron Legacy is my number four. Oh my word, this guy is hard. Now, there has been times where I have managed to beat this guy with two players... Relatively easily. It really depends on the hero combination that you use. But wow, this guy hurts. I mean, this is basically an alternate dimension legacy whose daughter was killed by his main villain and, you know, no more legacy line. And basically he does the injustice thing with Superman. 
he goes completely loopy, kills the main villain, and then starts off a whole sort of totalitarian state where it's basically, you will do as I say, you will be sick, you will not commit crime, or I will come down there and I will end you. It is basically the Injustice storyline for Sentinels in the Multiverse. So you have to take him down. Oh my god. He basically is buffed up to the nines. You know, you have to debuff him like crazy before you even try to hurt him. And that's assuming he doesn't just heal. He's only got something like 38 hit points. Um, is he in this box? Is he in this box? Yes, he is. Let me just see. How many hit points does this guy have? 32. He has one of the lowest HP scores of any of the villains. Doesn't matter. Because trying to hurt this guy is an absolute nightmare. It is a huge challenge, but it's very thematic. I love how you're going up against like the Injustice storyline. I don't own those games, I don't have a console, but just fighting this guy makes me want to play the Injustice games. You know, they, it looks like great fun. So definitely one that deserved to be in the top half of this list. Number three, another one. In fact, actually, yeah, the next three are pretty challenging. This one is The Chairman. The Chairman is basically like fighting the Kingpin. You're fighting a mob organisation. Now, I don't tend to go mad for mob-style gangsters in these films. You know, I mean, the whole mobster thing with uh, Luke Cage series I wasn't a big fan of. And I don't mind Kingpin as a villain for Spider-Man. But yeah, I just don't go for mobsters, really. So why do I like this guy so much? Because you have to effectively fight all his goons before you can fight him. He's there in the background. He doesn't even show himself. He has all his mobster-like men, you know, at the bottom, and you're trying to fight your way up through all these people before you can even touch him. But it's not them that are the hard part. The hard part is the fact that the chairman also comes with his own Japanese assassin operative, you know, sword-wielding nutcase, and she's the one who's damaging you on a regular basis. So it's a cool thematic scenario where you've got to take out the hired goons, and you've got to also take out the operative before you can even deal with the chairman. It's a cool thematic scenario and one that's very challenging. You know, this guy is not easy to beat. But, I don't know, it just seems to work quite well. I like, I like how this character works from a story perspective. Number two is more of a gimmick character than the most powerful one ever. I mean, depending who you take, she can be quite difficult or fairly straightforward. But I love the gimmick with her. This is misinformation. Misinformation is essentially the, the secretary for the Freedom Five, which is like five of the base set heroes. That alone is already pretty amusing. The fact that the superhero team has a secretary. You know, I mean, what, what does she have to do with? You know, custom claims and like collateral damage insurance claims, that sort of thing. You know, Freedom Five may I help you. What if your superheroes just took out my mall? You know, what's it going to be like? It's really weird. But the great thing with her is that she's a good guy. Or so you think. You can't actually hurt this villain from the get-go because from a story perspective, you don't know she's the bad guy. What you have to deal with is her villain deck is full of these sabotage cards where she's sending you off on wild goose chases, not giving you enough information on missions, not preparing you, sabotaging your equipment so it breaks. It's a really cool story concept, very thematic. And then halfway through when you've dealt with it and realised, okay, she's actually bad, she then throws on her cloak and becomes an actual villain and then you take her down. It's 
such a cool story-based villain. And yeah, not the hardest one out there, although she can be a bit of a um, pain in the nuts sometimes. But yeah, I really get a kick out of this one. I like playing her quite often, actually. But I do think that for a decent balance of challenge, theme, and difficulty, well, yeah, same thing, you know, challenge and theme, my number one, The Dreamer, is, this was easy to do my number one. I knew it was going to be The Dreamer without a second thought. Requires a bit of admin to play, I will admit, although some are far worse. But The Dreamer is basically like a kind of younger version of The Visionary. You know, it's, it's a girl. It's a small child. Her dreams give life to her nightmares, and the heroes must stop all these nightmare aberrations when they appear, but also must stop her from destroying herself. And that's where the fun of this character comes. You've got a lot of minions and a lot of nasty effects to deal with from all these nightmares, which is a cool theme and cool artwork. But she only has six hit points. I'm not kidding, only six hit points. So the dreamer is basically an innocent girl just with bad nightmares, really. So you can't kill her. And if she dies, you lose. So you have to be careful with any character that uses area effect, ma- you know, area control magic, or oh, magic, you know, area control effects and damage. I mean, Tempest hates this person. I never take Tempest against the Dreamer because it's just like, oh yeah, I can attack all these enemies at once. What, including the Dreamer? Uh-oh. So you have to try and take out a bunch of minions without doing too many, you know, area attacks. Because if you end up killing the Dreamer, then you lose and it's like, ah, i got to balance this, and with only six hit points, you could pretty much scratch her and she'll die. There'll be times where it's like, I need to put another HP on someone, but we can't put it on you, because it would like, ping the dreamer. Are you sure? Yeah, ping the dreamer. You know, so <laughs> there's some great decisions to make, a very good story-based adventure, and yeah, a challenge. The dreamer is a very hard one to beat if you don't take the right team. But yeah, I like the way it works. I like the fact you've got to not kill the villain for a change. It works pretty well, and that is why the Dreamer is my number one Sentinel villain. Whew, that's a lot of Sentinels to talk about in one podcast episode. So I'm going to wrap that up there, folks. I hope you've enjoyed hearing me basically blaze on about my favorite game of all time again if you're not a fan of the game that's fine not a problem we all like different things but if you are a fan of the game i hope you've enjoyed listening to my reasons for liking the game and also my personal choice for villains and heroes what are your personal choices i'd like to hear from you see me on youtube subscribe to the channel subscribe to this podcast find me on facebook and twitter and let me know how much you enjoy sentinels and what heroes and villains are your favorites So that's it for me. I'm going to get on with the rest of my weekend because there's a lot to get done. But it's a me weekend. I'm happy to actually have a weekend where I can just do what I need to do. No distractions, no people saying let's go out for a meal or anything, just me. And it feels good. So take care. I'll see you on the next Broken Meeple podcast. And remember, as much as I love Sentinels in the Multiverse, I still know, and so should you, that it's only a game. See you on the next time, guys. Take care. Thanks for listening. You can check out more material from the Broken Meeple at my website at www.brokenmeeple.blogspot.co.uk.
You can also find me on Facebook or see my Twitter handle at The Broken Meeple. If you live anywhere near Portsmouth, feel free to come along to one of our fortnightly Wednesday board gaming clubs, Portsmouth On Board. Search for us on meetup.com or Facebook for more information. Occasional support for The Broken Meeple comes in the form of review copies of games, from distributors such as Estevium Games and from retailers such as Chaos Cards, where you can find great games at great prices at chaoscards.co.uk. Thanks again, and from me and everyone else at the Dice Tower Network, have fun gaming. You're listening to the Dice Tower Network. If you like this show, you might like the Secret Cabal Gaming Podcast or Board Gamers Anonymous. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com.